Don't you want more than anything else in life to come to the end when you finally do and realize that every part of your life completely yielded to God and that you've been used by God for something eternal, not caught up in all the daily things that seem to us to be so pressingly important. It's always a tyranny of the earth when in reality the urgent is eternity. Because we never know when our last breath will be taken. We never know that we're not going to walk into the dark to us. I have found cancer and you only have five months to live. All of a sudden, every, everything around us takes on a different perspective. It means thinking this might be the last time that I ever see the leaves fall from the trees in the fall. It might be the last time that I get to go to a football game and cheer my lungs out. It might be the last time that I put my family down and tell them how much I love them with, with every thread of my being. It might be the last time that we actually get to look at somebody that we do say, I can't even express to you what you mean to me. We waste so much breath. We waste so much worry and so much care. And all of those things that distract ultimately is important is if we love someone, we should want to take them with us. That should be first, foremost, and supreme. And yet we come to church and we just sit here and it's another side through the routine. Even when we're worshiping, I'm thinking, is this a show or is this ultimately true praise to the one who is above all, whose name is so powerful that it literally chases demons away? Who, when you utter his name, there is healing that comes over your whole being. When you lift your hands, not because it's the right thing to do, but because you can't hold it down, you love him so much, then you know that his Holy Spirit is living inside cannot be silent then and only then do you look at everything as either an obstacle or an opportunity today it's either an obstacle that's in my path that keeps me distracted that always has, that always has me thinking other places or it's an opportunity right now that God is giving me to grow up to change to realize that heaven is for real I should take everyone with me I possibly can. No matter what anyone says about my life, I can say this with great assurance that over 41 years, my wife and I being in ministry have seen hundreds, hundreds of people come into the kingdom. Hundreds. And we'll get up there and we could sing all about those bright golden shores and all that stuff that we do in the hymns, but it means because me, People would much rather pay for a missionary than be a missionary. But one thing you find out that you're missing then is, I'm going to be empty when I get to heaven. I will have no one that came as a result. God has given us a reason to live, has he not? Yeah. Are you with me today? God has given us purpose to live. And you will find this out as you go through the scripture. I don't care if it's the apostle it's me you will find this out every individual gets a choice as to whether they want to be used by God or not 
Every individual is given the same same opportunity. There will be obstacles, but you get to choose whether you want to be one of the people that is passionately used for God. There's always been a man or a woman. There's always been an Apostle Paul out there somewhere. There's one of them in this room, or two, or three. There's always been a David Livingston who went to Africa single-handedly. When you think of missions and you think of Africa, you automatically think of David Livingston and the impact he had upon bringing many, 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 many people into the kingdom. And it lasted. Whole tribes came to Christ. When you think of William Carey, who is considered to be the father of modern missions today, of what we know as missions, he went to India, and if you've ever been to India, which I have, you will understand, hot, hot, humid, dirty, hungry place where people don't eat. Kids roam the streets. And garbage picked through the garbage as it empties its load into the dump. They're standing there picking through and sorting with these little plastic baskets to take back what can be used for food. Or what can I've shared that as I looked out my, my hotel window five stories up. I said, guys, come over here and look. And there down in the dirty, dirty dirt ground below us were a bunch of beautiful Young women picking with these nasty plastic laundry baskets that were filthy, picking through all of the garbage, and some had plastic, and some had paper, and some had food, because the caste system says that those people will not ever amount to anything except garbage pickers. And God says, you are redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, and the word of your testimony. No one can stop what God has started in your life when you become a believer. And William Carey did not give up. It took him 40 years before God really worked and brought souls into the kingdom. It's obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience. It's a faithful obedience. It's a not giving up because you got distracted by all the cares of the world, by your boats and your cars and your houses and your trailers and your camping and your, all your other things. So important will not matter to a hill of beans in heaven when you get there and find out that it's real. I think that your perspective of God is viewed every day by those around you because of how you live. And there's William Booth. As you look back, and when you think of Christmas, you think of someone standing outside of a store ringing a bell in the cold, asking people to put money in a metal pot that's hanging there. was the founder of the Salvation Army. Because he wanted to help other people and bring salvation into their lives. Given, given uh, um, years of time, any institution, and change their motivation for why they do things. God help us if we ever are more interested in sending a missionary and putting a string on a bulletin board to point to a country to prove how much we care about missions is not missions unless people are coming to Christ and salvation and being made disciples, followers of the true and living God. Otherwise, it is not missions. It is simply you dumping your money to relieve your conscience. 
a man by the name of C.H. Chapin, said this, it's not armies, not nations have advanced the race, but here and there in the course of the ages, an individual has cast his shadow over the world. One person, one man, one woman, one young person. It was Dwight L. Moody who said it, and I'll never forget it. The world has yet to see what God, the man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, he said, let me be that man. Don't you want to be that? Don't you want to be an apostle Paul? And you say, ridiculous. I could barely make it through my daily life. I'm no Paul. I don't, I don't have the same gifts as, as he does. I'm afraid to talk to people. God could never use me. And God says, are you listening to me? Are you listening? It doesn't matter how, how old you are, how whatever. I can use you. Anybody. I want to use you. And his love gets a hold of us. Whew. I'm sitting at the counter, and Ryan sent me that song, and I am not making this up. If my name through the window, they had to think it's all true. He is a flake. Because I'm going, since your love got a hold of me. Oh, God. God. Saw the situation in my house. He saw right down into the Peterson house and saw that I was crying because of a father that never showed love. I'm out of control because the father was always hitting her and demanding things. And I went myself as a seventh grader in the front room and I said, God, God, you have to come into my house. Please, God, come into my house. See, God sees us. He knows you. He knows me. And when his love gets a hold, we can't be stopped. We have the power of God in our lives. We can be a Dwight L. Moody. You can be a Charles Haddon Spurgeon. A William Carey. A man that recently left our church mocked me and said, he keeps going to Vietnam. People aren't coming to Christ there. He's wrong. They are. They just want to know that we love them. They always tell me this. You're the only pastor that has come back time after time after time. See, sometimes we don't even know that history is being made because when we're going through it, we see so many challenges and so many things happening that we're blinded to the fact that just by looking at us and seeing our long obedience in the same direction. We have to ask ourselves this question. What happens and what is the difference between makes things happen and the Christian that doesn't know they're happening? You could call yourself a Christian and be sitting in this room this morning and you could say, I'm satisfied with my life, but you know you teeter back and forth see 
The double-minded man, James said, is unstable in all his ways. He's up and he's down. He's up and he's down. He's in and he's out. He's off to this job and on to the next job. He's unsatisfied with his marriage and wants a different relationship. He's not happy with anything in life. You know what he does? He escapes by buying a camper. All the campers are going to hit me afterwards. He escapes by buying a new boat. He escapes by buying a big escapes by buying a red sports car. He thinks that work will make him happier. And none of it, none of it works. Because only Jesus, king of all creation, can satisfy my soul. Is that right or not? Yeah. Only Jesus has the power to satisfy the longing inside of Nothing else can. When I think back to great men, I'm assuming that they didn't even know they were great. As they were going through life and they saw God working in their life, they were sometimes overwhelmed by the obstacles that seemed to just take over, literally. Most of us just give up. I can't live that, so I'm not even going to try. I can't overcome, so I'm not even going to try. It has a friend who just got out of jail last week. He'd been there for months because of his addiction to drugs and a multitude of other things, and he came to men's Bible study on Monday night, and his I am not going to let Satan lie to you. I'm going to be the mouthpiece for God. You can overcome, I said. Ditch all those friends that take you the wrong way. Block out every voice that says, loser. Put a block on everything that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Yes. Everything that says this will satisfy when in reality you already Every time the enemy says you're defeated, you're worthless, you are a waste, nothing can ever be accomplished through you, say, no, I'm not listening to you. I want to be the man that God fully uses to change the world. Came. Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they overcame. Down through the ages, they overcame through what Christ did on the cross. Every time the enemy comes to you, you say, get away. I'm an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb. And I have a testimony today that Christ has set me free. Yeah. Everyone who Christ has set free, say amen. amen. He has changed us. Not the same. Demons flee from us. Get out. You can't have me. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my children. You can't have we go to church to be lulled to sleep I'm always curious as how did the apostle Paul become an apostle Paul how did it happen what are the qualities of someone who not just claims to be a Christian but says if I burn out I'm going to burn out for Christ no matter what anybody says or does because you know the devil comes to you and says he's done this to me a million times in the worthless they all said so and God says through Jesus he says to me 
No, you're not. You're blood-bought. I paid for you. You are forgiven. There is now, therefore, no condemnation in you. There's not one condemning thing that could separate you from my love. Not death or life, not heaven or hell, not de demons or angels, not anything in the world can separate me from the love of Christ. He paid for me. I am free. I want you to say it. This side over here is very weak. Nobody from this point over. Free. Let's give it one more shot, everybody. Free. You're free. What are the qualities of this person, this person that I aspire to be like, this Apostle Paul? I am astounded in our culture. The, the rally cry over sports. You get so excited, you literally lose everything. You lose all sense of reality. When, when the, dog, the, the eagles, the world has come to an end. <laughs> Holy smoke. Everybody just, that's the game of the century. Do you know how much that'll matter in three years? N zero, nada, zilch. Now, I'm not against us teaching our kids to like sports because I think it teaches them discipline. But I think at the same time, we should be balancing our kids with something that they can use for the rest of the kingdom of God. Because when they get old and brittle, there's no way they're playing football. The only thing they're going to be doing with that ball is kicking it with their foot right from the recliner chair. They may still be doing that. About singing, you could sing for all of your life. One thing about doing something that you, with using the gifts that you have inside, and this is my first point that I want to make about a person who's used by God. They understand that God, every single person in the room with a gift. Some gift. You got a gift. God has given you some ministry gift. Something that you can use for your glory. And many people don't even know what it is. They've never discovered what their spiritual gifts are. This is what I believe. The, the Bible is very, very clear about the gifts that a pastor, a real leader in the body of Christ, and, the, and this is what it is. It says that we should be able to preach, we should be able to teach, we should be able to exhort, and we should be able to administrate. Now, it may be that I'm weak in some of those areas as a pastor or a leader, but if you want to be a leader, you and he's going to say, even though you didn't think you could talk, I'm going to make you preach. Even though you thought you couldn't teach because you're just a dum-dum, I'm going to show you that out of the depths of your being, you can teach. People will listen if you have. You don't need to be eloquent. I get sick of eloquence. Brothers and sisters, God in sundry times has done to us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we get these jowls. I said God has spoken to us. Wow. So that's what it is? No. No. And I think preaching is missing today. Because we're more interested in And I'd rather that you dissect every Greek word and tell us what I means there, I means I. 
I hear people say those things and I think, what in the heck are you talking? Is the power of God present? When you read your Bible, do you read your Bible because you're supposed to read your Bible? Or do you read your Bible looking to be consumed and inhale everything there? When I think of that God equips them with the ability to teach and to preach and to exhort. You know what exhorting is? Exhorting is texting people and, and saying, I just want to say, wow, the people of this church are exhorters. Love rock church. The church is people. It's not this room. It's not that place over on Chicago Drive. This is the church. So I'm not a big Facebook person, but I try to catch up and I catch wrote this great big huge thing on my Facebook page and Susan Sherman was the first person to encourage me there she's my sister I love the Shermans see that I'm telling that to God and to the devil by I want the devil you stay away from Rock Church we love each other we will exhort one another so much more as the day is approaching we need to encourage each other there may come a day when we actually food because Hillary Clinton got in the White House. I'm supposed to be able to preach and teach and exhort, encourage people. I'm supposed to witness. I'm supposed to share my faith as a, as a real leader. This is what I, I challenged the staff this week. I asked them to mention one of their gifts because it generally starts this way. If you don't know what you're are, then you start pondering that and thinking, well, what gifts do I have? And most people say, well, I can help with things. Well, that is a spiritual gift. We could use more helpers. Basically, staff is doing most of the renoing, and it's hard. We had to cut through cement, hundreds of feet of it this week, jackhammer it out, and haul it away. That have the gift of helps. But we also need people who have the gift of encouragement. Don't we? So inside of every single person in this room, God has given you spiritual gifts. You need to identify what And when you identify it and use it to the fullest extent, he gives you another one. I told you I never sang a note before I went to Bible college. Ever in public. Ever. I played the piano because my parents made us take lessons because I've shared a band. I hate polka music. I don't even know if it exists anymore. It does, really? Oh, God, have mercy on us. I mean, maybe I'd like it now. But I'm not planning on having a polka at our church next week. But they'd roll up the rug in the family room, and their hick friends would come over, and they'd, da 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 They'd dance around the living room, and I'd go, please. Please, God, deliver me from this Hicksville. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not making this up. And Maud House was one of my mom's friends. Maud, other kid, Maud now. It's nasty. Maud House. She was, she was built like a house. And they would come over and play canasta on Friday nights with my parents while us kids were told to get in the room. And I'll never forget it. Maud got up from the kitchen table, said she needed to use the restroom. She didn't come back and didn't come back. And they're all saying, what's happening in there, Maud? It's your turn. I can still 
Honey, I got to tell him this. <laughs> I'm sitting in the other end of the room, and I, she comes and pokes her head around the refrigerator. Um, I have something to tell you. I fell and broke your toilet seat. Broke the toilet seat. You see why I remember Maud House so well? No, I'm not done. Because she fell and snapped the toilet seat. You know where it goes around? It snapped right back. My dad was tighter than a bed bug. He would not buy a new toilet seat. He put tape around it, and forever our rear ends got pinched every time we used the toilet. The rest of our lives, we remembered Mod House. Pinched rear ends. Duct tape does cover a multitude of sins, though. So, well, everybody has a gift, everyone in here. If we all used them, we'd, the body would be so much stronger. But here's the second thing that I saw in the Apostle Paul as he went from Pisidian, 100 miles north, to um, Iconium, where the women were talking and chased him out of town. He almost got stoned, but he found out about it. And then last week, he was in Lystra. Our look at Lystra, we found out that some great things had happened while he was there. He stayed there a while, but once again, he got in big trouble. A man was healed, a lame man, and hated it. They were upset. And so he was taken outside the city walls and stoned. You may remember that from last week. But he wasn't dead. <clears throat> if you're going to really take a stand for Christ, you have to be bold. What is that? It means it's the ability to go through opposition and come out unshaken. It's the ability to actually have opposition. How many of you have faced opposition in any way for Christ in the last year? Anybody by sharing your testimony or by talking to somebody or taking a stand? I can't see anyway, so if you raise your hand. One thing for God, you might understand this, there will be opposition. No question about it. There are always people that are mad. Someone got up and walked, didn't even know it until the service was over. And I had to deal with it. There will always be opposition. But a third characteristic that was very, very real with any of the apostles, and specifically with Paul and Barnabas, was a divine power. They had a divine power because they realized this. They could not function in their own strength. That's what divine power is. You cannot function in your own strength. It's divine power or nothing. How many Christians do you meet that are literally powerless? There is no excitement. There is no spark even. There's not even a tiny spark of excitement in their life. And there is power. And so they, you ask them how they're doing, and there's always this thing after another thing after another thing. And so I'm studying for my message, and God always brings things exactly at the right time in your life. And even when on a daily basis, does he not? He makes to get your attention. And I'm studying, and all of a sudden... I look on Twitter, and 
There's a video of a man who experienced an extraordinary power, and I wanted to use it as an example today, so look at this. I was studying, it was so interesting because I had just read this first, Ephesians 3.16. I pray that you might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The hundred feet into an ice crevice, no one knows he's there. No one has any clue. He's down there. He breaks his arm so severely it won't work. He's got all kinds of physical issues. And by some powerful strength, pull himself out of that crevice. And then all the way down to his tent, which was hundreds of feet down from where he was at. How does that happen? There's, there's power inside of us that's not even tapped. Do you understand this? There, with me today? There is power inside of us that's not even tapped. This is what I say to everyone in the room, and I say it lovingly. Let God empower you through what he has equipped you with already. Let him take the gifts you have and do something great for God. I can promise you this. You will get to heaven one day if, you, if you're saved, and you'll look back and say, why was I so caught up in that nonsense? Nothing for me or anyone else. But wouldn't you rather use what God has already filled you with so that you could experience that you might be filled with all the fullness of God? Able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. Woo! I want to be filled with the fullness of God so that I could do exceeding abundantly above. What anybody could ask or think. I, when I went off to Baba College, all I could do was play the piano, and I've shared that many, many times, and I just said, I'm not satisfied with that. I've used it to my fullest extent. I will keep using that gift, and I want to sing, God. And I went and tried. I, I decided the best thing to do was to get voice lessons. So I started voice lessons, and the next year I decided to try out for choir, and I've shared it a million times, but it proves my point sing before. I didn't even realize I could sing. And God spoke to me and said, you need to stretch your boundaries. It was Jabez's prayer that I might literally expand my territory of God. Is anybody here? Yeah. My wife, you're not saying anything. Are you with me, honey? You are? Are you sleeping? Okay. Says, yes. Where you were Bible study, you'd be going, Is that right, ladies? Come on, now, I told you, is that right, ladies? Everybody in this room say amen. <laughs> I think that most Christians are so sound asleep that when they get a little bit of conviction, they get mad instead of changing. This is what I say you need something supernatural to happen today to you, to your marriage about anything you need something supernatural to happen today you be filled with all the fullness of God and then you will experience exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think amen possibly ask or think will be will happen and you'll say God I just never dreamed thank you Jesus there's a fourth thing you need to understand I got to do this quickly because I'm already beyond my time humility you're not humble. It's basic. Paul, Paul had power because he was humble. 
Paul had power, literally. And you remember back to last week, who had been lame. He had never, ever experienced any feeling in his feet. And God puts something in his feet because Paul said in the middle of preaching, Paul realized there was a lame man sitting right over there. He'd been But Paul realized this guy has faith. And he said, get up and walk on those feet. The guy didn't say, well, I, I hate to tell you this, but I think I need to go to the doctor because I got bunions down there and I got corns down there and those feet had never that's not going to work. Why are you telling me to get up and walk? Don't you have any sympathy? That's so cold-hearted to actually say that I'm fat. That's so cold-hearted to say that I have sin in my life. No, it isn't. If you listen. Yeah, it's freeing. It's freeing if you listen. Or get offended. You get your choice. Listen or get offended. You know what God is talking to you about right now. You know what's blocking the use of you and I know it. You, I know what's blocking God from fully using me is that I won't let God fully fill me. That's blocking God from being able to fully use me. We don't anymore. We want sweet talk. I was like, my wife said, did you see the house Joel Osteen lives in? So I got online and just typed his name in. Not one house. Multiple houses that are thousands and thousands of feet. $40 million he's worth. He's friends with the Clintons. He's friends with Oprah and her boyfriend. And I think, you know what? When you take a stand for Jesus Christ and don't worry, you will, you will literally have all kinds of people that won't want to be around you. I guarantee you, as Dakota got out of jail, if he went to all of his friends and say, said to them, I am never again... And I'm not drinking, and I'm not partying with you anymore. I am going to be changed. He wouldn't have to worry about leaving them. They would leave him. Come on now. This is what I say when somebody, will you pray for so-and-so? Will you pray because her family this, or his family this, or his kids doing this, or he needs this? I say, I'm going to pray that he or she changes right now. You change. You by the power of God, you change and find out what the spiritual gifts that you have inside of you are and start using them and you will change and you will, your feet will be happy feet. Happy feet, won't they? That's your feet to dancing. He gives you purpose. He brings people into your life that replace the old friends. New friends come and you have joy and you have peace inside. You go to bed at night not feeling dirty. I could say that last night. You hear Warrens? You made it? Okay, there you go. Way up there, Eddie boy. They're so sweet, it's unbelievable. They bought this little condo in cheap Taj Mahal. Really tiny Taj Mahal. It's so, and oh, we had Fricano's pizza and salad stuff, and Nick and Lexi went, and Becky and I and Josiah. We, they said something, we had so much fun just talking the whole night. Talking. Just talking. Just fellowshipping. And praying, right? It was sweet. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, see, you're still young. They could be out partying. They could be trying to get ahead in life and be the jet setters, you know? But they wouldn't be happy. No, they wouldn't. You know what Nick wants from Lexi? I can remember Nick last night. 
They have two dogs. Oh, that, that one dog, um, Sabrina, is that her name? Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. Sydney is a, what, what breed? Pomeranian Chihuahua. Pomeranian, Pomeranian. <laughs> I come up with some good ones. And all the real serious people are out there going. <laughs> so anyway, their, their, Ed was telling us that their little Chihuahua is so cute I can't stand it. Um, barked all the time. And so they tried everything. He tried spraying it with water every time it did. And just back. <laughs> he explained it all. It was hilarious. So they decided to get this collar that shot bark. I, I didn't even understand it because when we first came in, the dog was just. <laughs> the whole time I thought, I've never heard a growl, a growl from a stop. Non-stop, no barks, just You even look at it, it goes <laughs> Lexi's looking at it, <laughs> It's the cutest dog. All of a sudden, I heard it go <laughs> It's like roof and then strangle. What was even better about it was Ed said that the Neergars had a dog that they they got a collar, and Ed and Kenny tried it on, on his neck. Ah! <laughs> so I'm thinking we're giving free necklaces away to people. <laughs> I, <boom! laughs> wow. I don't know how I got to that dog story, but. Don't say you're not learning anything today. You are. Don't give up. No, you don't give up, do you? No, you don't give up. Because of the apostles have to be characteristic of us today. You can't take the credit. You have to be humble when God works, right? When they say, oh, the gods came down and you're Zeus and you're Hermes, you have to say, this is not of me, this is of God. And people will hate you for saying that. Yeah, they will. They will hate you. I actually have to finish, but I, I thought there was an interesting story that I want to share. Um, name of Robert Morrison of England wanted to go to China as a missionary back in the 1800s. And he studied Chinese in England, and, and he just had this passion to get on a boat and go to China, and he tried to get passage on a ship, but he couldn't get it because China didn't accept foreigners, and nobody wanted to haul him clear over to China and then find out that they have to And so he tried and tried. Finally, he got passage on a ship, and he landed in China, and he got off, went to a warehouse, and studied there in the city of Canton. He stayed there for six months. During those six months, he learned Chinese food to dress Chinese and to adapt himself to Chinese culture and then he spent all of his time studying Cantonese preaching was illegal but he gathered over the next 10 months a little started talking to them and never more than 10 people in private 
Seven years after he landed in Canton, he baptized his first convert. That was persistence. Finally, working all day and night, month after month, he finished translating the book of Acts. He translated it into Cantonese, and he succeeded in having it printed. But an argument among the Chinese craftsmen, craftsmen arose, and it was found out by the Chinese government, and they burned all the work he had done. He didn't give up. He mastered the Chinese and Cantonese language, and he translated the entire Bible into Cantonese. He accompanied it with a six-volume Chinese-English dictionary so that missionaries would not only have the dictionary to learn the language, all of this was done in the 1800s over 27 years with no wife and no children of persistence. That was my last point. You got to go on. You got to persist. You got to, you got to, you got to. You tell me that and I'll tell you that, okay? Thank the people who are so loving to me and have been over these three years of Rock Church and say, Pastor, you just got to go on. We'll go on together, won't we? We'll persist in what God us to do with the gifts that he's equipped us with. And we will be victorious. 27 years, day after day after day of not giving up. Got to lock into what God has given you, stir up the gift inside, and say, I'm going to get busy doing something for God. And I'll make you a promise. You'll never regret it. You will never God's gotten a hold of us, hasn't he? I want the praise man to come back. I don't care if it's late. we got to sing that song on our way out. Because his, his love, literally, this, his love has been reaching out to some people in this room who have been time, some college-age people, some high school people, some people my age, and God is saying, you can't give up. you got to get busy. Don't give up. Get busy. Get up and walk. Get up and dance. Get up, do something for God. Encourage one another, exhort each other, be persistent in that. Don't let other people talk you out of doing that. Don't let the devil make you mad, decide to quit. Go on no matter what, but go on with everything that you have, right?